what's a good service that people can start looking at as a good safe ground to do some threat detection exercise? I might be biased because I actually just weirdly love reading the Google Cloud Docs. <laughs> but honestly, just go read the Google Cloud Docs on IAM. They have all this information about how IAM, you know, roles work, service accounts, even how to properly configure service accounts, what to do, what not to do. Start with that and then start approaching different things. I think we've got a couple of answers from Eric as well. He called out something which is interesting as well. We can do an exercise called Path to Pawn to identify attack paths to our crown jewels based on the identity services protocols, etc. I think that's a good way to kind of explain the identity attack path because I guess identity is a new parameter. Where does one start with these kind of threat detection exercise? Are there any resources that you kind of called out that would be helpful for people to look at? Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, again, I would recommend taking a look at the Google Cloud Docs. Oh my God, you and your Google Docs, man. <laughs> man, like, they're just that there good. Might, there might be an advertisement for Google Docs. <laughs> Honestly, they're really that good. Google Cloud Threat Detection is not something just spoken about enough. Fortunately, I had Dave Johnson from Datadog who has done some research on this and spoke at Forward CloudSec about this exact topic. What are some of the common GCP threats that you should be aware of? What are some of the common attack factors from a GCP perspective? If you're trying to become a threat detection engineer, this is a great episode for you as well. Also, if you're starting off on just the thinking of how do you even start doing threat detection in Google Cloud, this is definitely an awesome episode for you. So I'm grateful. Thank you to Dave Johnson for coming on the show and talking about his methodology on how he thinks about it. And also thank you to all the audience members who were there at the live episode, sharing their perspective. And I think I must say some of the methodology that was discussed, I would say patent pending on some of them. So you would enjoy the conversation about how do you identify a threat or a problem that is existing? How do you continuously monitor for it? And how do you eradicate it? So all that and a lot more in this episode. If you are someone who's listening to this conversation for the second or third time and probably know someone who's doing threat detection or wanting to go down that path in Google Cloud, well, Google Cloud Security Month is here and please make sure you share this episode with them so they get to know a bit more. And all the things that were spoken about during the interview, I will leave them over here in the description of the show notes as well for you to kind of check it out later. And maybe make some more threat detection frameworks or find some new threats in Google Cloud. But if you are here for the second or third time, definitely make sure you leave us a review or rating or follow us on our social medias like YouTube and LinkedIn because that's where we go live every week. And it also helps more people find out about Cloud Security Podcast so we can talk more about cloud security, cloud native security, and how AI is disrupting the world of cloud. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Day, and I'll see you in the next episode of Google Cloud Security Month in the next one. All right. Talk to you soon and enjoy the episode. Peace. By bringing developers and security together, you don't have to choose between speed and security. Develop fast, stay secure. Hello, welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. And today is the beginning of a new month for us. Especially after Independence Day, I think the 4th of July, we wanted to start off with Google Cloud Security Month. And for this, I have someone special. It's a repeat guest, but always special to have you, my friend. How's it going, Jay? Going all right. How about yourself, Ashish? Good, good. For the two people on the internet who don't know who Day is, could you tell us <laughs> a bit about yourself, Day? And how did you get to where you are today, man? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Abyssola Day Spring Johnson, typically go by Day. Most people know me by Day Cyberwalks, either on YouTube or Twitter or Instagram. But I am a detection engineer. I did a dog. So basically focus on getting out detection content, threat research, and also like sharing my knowledge about all of that stuff out there, whether it's through content or talks and stuff like that, but also a content creator as well. So I've been making content on YouTube for the last three years, basically just sharing my journey on cybersecurity, cloud security, and a bunch of other stuff as well. So that's a high level overview of who I am. 
Oh, you dropped us apart, but you can definitely check out his blogs, his workout channels. His, yeah. It's got a lot going. So I'll definitely recommend checking out his YouTube channel as well as you kind of go along finding out what Day does on the internet. But thankfully, you're also a detection engineer, which is mm-hmm. kind of like the topic that we have from a Google Cloud perspective. I want to start off by something, which is what are some of the common threats in GCP that are publicly known? And you can talk about secret ones as well if you know any, but just share the public ones for now. Yeah, so... I think one that most people are typically familiar with is like the one with service accounts, right? That's always the one that mostly comes to mind. Like, so especially with service accounts in Google Cloud, whether they're default service accounts or even just like regular service accounts, they typically tend to sometimes be overly permissive or if there are no guardrails in place within your Google Cloud environment, they could be overly permissive and also like grant access across like folders, projects, which could lead to multiple lateral movement or privilege escalation vectors that could potentially just like leave your Google Cloud environment just totally compromised. That's typically the biggest one. There's also the possibility of like their service account keys being publicly exposed and those keys are practically immortal. So basically <laughs> they live for like, I think it was about 8,000 years or so. Oh, geez. Um, wow. So they constitute a majority of the threat against Google Cloud. But there's also other things like, you know, with like storage buckets, like exfiltration, I believe like there's minimal login for certain ways by which like exfiltration can be done within Google Cloud, which like causes some level of like low visibility with that activity. And yeah, so like that's like with storage buckets, also with like compute instances, same thing for like most other cloud environments, right? If you're not properly configuring those or let's say like with SSH keys and stuff like that, those could potentially get compromised with the project metadata, which we'll go into later on. But the major one is the service account, right? Because it's a major identity within Google Cloud. And that's typically like the biggest threat model or threat towards Google Cloud environments. Oh, cool. I'm definitely amazed at how many that you were able to list out. So that's a pretty good thing. Good. But for people who probably are new to the GCP world, how do you go about doing detection in GCP in the first place? Like, What's the thought process like there? Yeah, that's a great question. When I actually first started at Datadog, where I currently work at, I had practically zero knowledge of GCP. My manager was like, hey, take a look at this. And that was like one of my first tasks I was working on. I was like, mm, I don't know anything about Google Cloud. So went on Google and did a Google search for all the possible resources I could find on like Google Cloud, right? So basically starting with like IAM, which is the major foundation for everything cloud. Basically, because you're dealing with like identities, access, policies, and all of that. So I just started by basically reading up the Google Cloud docs on IAM. I actually like the Google Cloud docs. I think I told someone this a while back. I like, I actually enjoy reading the Google Cloud docs. And you're like, I don't know about that. But well, I like the docs. They're very well detailed, give you a lot of information about how things are supposed to be configured in Google Cloud and just understanding exactly what Google was thinking about in terms of that. So I think before actually going into the detection engineering piece, it's first important to start understanding like how the cloud environment works, how resources are configured in the environment, what resources exist in the environment, because you can't really do detections for things you don't understand or things you don't know how they can be configured or misconfigured or things that you don't know like what threats exist against them. So it just started with learning all of these different services and then taking a look at how are these services used normally by developers or engineers, cloud engineers, DevOps engineers, what does that normal look like? And then how would an attacker potentially think of how to exploit this service the way a developer would normally use this service, right? That's basically how I approached it. And most of that was just basically either reading the docs, watching YouTube videos, or playing around in Google Cloud. That's like the best way you can actually approach learning Google Cloud or 
learn how to contextualize within Google Cloud. Interesting. One question that comes to mind, right? Because most people would have gone down the path. And fortunately, because you came from a background which was, did not have the baggage of another cloud provider, because I imagine most people are just going, oh, this is what AWS looks like. So I should probably do the same. Did you actually have that kind of thinking as well? Because I feel there is a lot more material for AWS on the internet than GCP in period. Like, I think the only people talk about Google Cloud Security is Cloud Security Podcast. No one else talks about it. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely right about the fact that there's a lot more material, content, courses, resources about AWS out there. I mean, it makes sense because they're the majority of cloud service provider. And I would say, like, one of my initial instincts was, well, I have some knowledge about AWS, AWS security and AWS threat detection. I should be able to translate that knowledge to Google Cloud. And I was very wrong. So here's the thing, right? Across all cloud providers, there's definitely commonalities, right? Whether it's like the shared responsibility model, the basic functionality of services, whether it be compute or whether it be storage or whether it be serverless or it's like database, whatever it is, there's basic commonalities across all cloud providers. However, when you start getting into the intricacies of how these things actually work, there's differences. For example, like the way identity and access management works in Google Cloud is completely different from how it works in AWS. Now, the principles are basically you know, the same with roles, policies, permissions, all of that. But in more areas than you could imagine, there's different things that exist within Google Cloud in terms of how roles are configured, right? There's the this owner role, there's like a viewer role, there's an editor role. Don't necessarily have those in AWS. You have those managed policies that kind of have all these things with, oh, you have like the administrator user, all of that, and all of those like AWS managed roles, but they don't necessarily always translate exactly to what it means in Google Cloud. So I almost made that mistake, or actually did make that mistake of trying to translate my knowledge from AWS to Google Cloud. But I think the point at which I realized it wasn't different was when I came to the conclusion that you have to look at each cloud provider holistically as its own cloud provider. So you can't necessarily immediately want to lift and shift your knowledge from AWS to Azure and Google Cloud. Of course, there's the underlying foundation that will never change when you're going deeper into like intricacies of how things are actually configured and how to actually detect threats within this cloud environments. Then you have to look at the cloud environment holistically. And in this case, I had to look at Google Cloud holistically and how the services and how things work in Google Cloud specifically and holistically. I think funny, someone else also related to this as well. So Albert on LinkedIn just kind of mentioned, oh boy, that's happened to me as well, the difference between AWS and GCP. But the point still remains, I guess, maybe the thinking could be used. And I think when we were talking about this, you kind of spoke about the whole threat modeling by service as an example framework as well. And a lot of people, I mean, I don't know if that's kind of part of your initial assessment or where do you see that in your process, but how do you explain it to people? Because like, people may not even know what threat modeling by service is just because threat modeling is thrown like a, I don't know, it's like disco word, just like throw it everywhere. So yeah. what is threat modeling by service? And is there an example thinking there for how you use that for detection? Yeah, so I would say like there's no official term or framework or definition out there about threat modeling by service. This is just something that I started to approach as I started to do more Google Cloud detection. I actually plan to like spend some time actually developing the idea to something and probably giving a talk on it later. But basically, I think it's a really, it's a straightforward approach to building detections for Google Cloud and approaching it from a perspective of looking at each service holistically and how to approach threat detection for each service. And this could be helpful if you're like in an environment where you use specific Google Cloud services. So this could mean going to the service or going to the Google Cloud docs and taking a look at 
what the service is able to do, right? What are the various API actions? Like Google has a lot of documentation about the possible API actions that are available for each service, right? So what can you do? Can you like create an instance? Can you create a, a network, a firewall, a gateway, whatever the case is? And look at these different actions in ways by which they will normally be used. Like the fundamental reason why they exist, right? Is for them to be used for the cloud, right? For developers or engineers to use them for a specific reason. But there's also ways by which attackers will also use the service. So it starts from, first of all, like looking at the service, what does it do? And then what actions are possible for this service? And how can I take a look at this from both the lens of its intended usage as well as malicious usage? So if you see like a create instance, a developer, a cloud engineer, whatever the case is, might create an instance in order to deploy, host like some application or whatever, or run some computer, whatever, right? That's legitimate usage for the compute instance, right? To create an instance. Well, an attacker on the other end will create an instance to mine cryptocurrency. So when you've looked at it from the perspective of what a developer would do, and then you also take the lens of the attacker, you can look at it from this lens of, okay, when a developer is going to create an instance to run some application or whatever, they're going to do it from, let's say our company's IP, or they're going to do it from a residential IP or whatever the case is. However, if an attacker is going to do the exact same action, right? There might be preceded actions I could use as, you know, some audit trails or whatever to like augment this detection or that attacker will probably do this from maybe a hosting IP address, like another cloud environment IP address or a Tor IP address, right? So you're basically looking at the exact same action, which is a create instance action, but you've looked at it from, this is what normal would look like, but at the same time, taking a different lens, this is what not normal will look like, which will be from the lens of the attacker. So if you take that approach to like each service that you're dealing with, whether it's compute, storage, and look at all these different actions, you can come up with a ton of detection possibilities. And then you can then slowly like, narrow your scope down. What fits the threat model of my particular Google Cloud environments? What deviates from what I thought was normal within our actual Google Cloud environments? How are developers or cloud engineers or whatever the case is actually using this service? And how can I think of what deviates from this normal in our environment to what an attacker would potentially do with this service to exploit it within our cloud environment? So that's the current lead developed idea of how like I approach threat modeling per service and I'm going to eventually like develop it into a more fleshed out idea but that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Interesting because I kind of love what you have as a, as a mindset from a framework perspective because there's so many services man it's like yeah. wait, wait, is there a good starting point as well because I'm talking every cloud service provider is releasing hundreds of services what would be I think you kind of mentioned service account earlier but I don't know if that's what you'd recommend as hey start here first what's a good service that people can start looking at as a good safe ground to do some threat detection exercise honestly I think just start from IAM right honestly IAM just like helps all the pieces come together I mean for right. me right because if I didn't understand how identity and access management worked in Google Cloud everything would just fall apart <laughs> because that's the glue for all the pieces so like just go honestly I might be biased because I actually just, I don't know. I just weirdly love reading the Google Cloud Docs. <laughs> but honestly, just go read the Google Cloud Docs on IAM. They have all this information about how IAM, you know, roles work, service accounts, even how to properly configure service accounts, what to do, what not to do. Start with that and then start, you know, approaching different things. There's also like open source projects, I believe, like GCP Goat as well, which have some really commonly attacked services and how they attack within Google Cloud. So just any other Goat thing, Web Goat or whatever. You can try it, you can check it out and just like play around with those things and get familiar with those very common attack paths within Google Cloud and yep. just develop your knowledge from there. You can then start looking at each service more and more specifically like, okay, let me sit down and look at what would a threat look like from 
a storage perspective, what are attackers already doing in terms of exploiting Google Cloud storage services or how can I look at it differently, right? Or how are we currently using the storage service and what are some gaps that are not currently being detected or talked about by which we can actually start looking at approaching threat detection for our storage services for our internal Google Cloud environment. Oh, I love that approach. And I also, I think we've got a couple of answers from Eric as well, because Eric has a very similar process to you. He called out something which is interesting as well. We can do an exercise called Parts to Pawn. I'm going to say patent pending from Eric. <laughs> to identify that. That's a good one, man. I mean, if you ever do something, I think that would definitely sell. Path to Pawn, to identify attack paths to our crown jewels based on the identity services protocols, etc. I think that's a good way to kind of explain the identity attack path, because I guess identity is a new parameter. And Michael called out, no legacy roles, owner, viewer, editor. Any thoughts on this as well, man? Yeah, so those are like, I believe the basic roles within Google Cloud. So it's like owner, viewer, editor. I think there's a new one. I'm not sure. I don't remember it specifically. But basically like those roles group multiple permissions within them. So like if you want, let's say a lot of access without giving full access, it'll be like an editor role. If you want the user to be able to like, just be able to view things, not be able to make any right actions and get them a viewer role. If you want them to have all permissions to give them the owner role. And I think there's some limitations in terms of setting more granular permissions beyond what already exists that Google Cloud gives you with these different roles. Thanks for that, Michael. And yeah, just definitely keep sharing. Go David. I think he, he's kind of like you, man. So totally, just basically loving reading these documents. It's like a kiss for documentation. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love it, David. Yeah, the docs are really good. They're just like aesthetically pleasing. And I actually, I like reading, but not, if you really read a lot of API docs I have to do for my job, I've definitely seen some really terrible ones. And Google Cloud is definitely up there for really good ones. So yeah, I actually enjoy I, it. I feel like it's like the medium of cloud service documentation. Is that what we're calling Google? I completely agree with that. And I honestly think for me, like ranking the docs will be Google, Azure, and AWS. Azure also has a really, really nicely done docs, but Google is just really up there for me. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So David and Dave both are recommending just, I should just check out, just for the beauty of it, I should just check out <laughs> Google Doc. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, I mean, even if you don't wear something, you just accept and enjoy the aesthetically pleasing view of those docs. I, I want to do that. That's going to be my screen save after this. <laughs> the, you kind of mentioned attacker as well. So I think probably worthwhile knowing for people who are already like Eric and others are protection engineers and others may be looking to go into that path as well in the Google Cloud space. What are some of the common attack vectors that you see, or at least you came about in your research when you were trying to build threats around GCP? Yeah, so I think the very first one, again, goes back to like service accounts. So just for context, right? Service accounts are identities within Google Cloud. Basically, they're supposed to interact with resources on your behalf, right? So they're basically like your cloud robots doing things for you as a human, right? So you just tell them what to do, make sure that they have access to the service you want them to interact with and they basically perform those activities for you within google cloud now the thing with service accounts just multiple other access vectors from aws which is very common will be like the keys right the service account keys so like aws you have your access key id and for service accounts you also have these keys as well right they're actually a public private key pair basically what this keys allow you to do is get access to the service account programmatically and basically, sometimes these keys can get exposed, right? Basically, maybe someone hard codes these keys or just mismanages these keys and attacker gets access to them. So that's typically an, a way by which attackers could get access to Google Cloud environments. And this is like very, very common. You probably, probably might have seen like threat reports about it, but it's typically an initial access vector into Google Cloud environments. 
On the topic of service accounts as well, it's also creating those service account keys, right? So th that could either be done for like persistence. So like if you have those keys, you can always use them to continuously programmatically access Google Cloud, or you can create new keys for another service account that might have more permissions that you might not initially have. And then that could also be a privilege escalation vector. And then there's also adding an external identity as an owner within Google Cloud. So within Google Cloud, you have the ability to invite people into your Google Cloud project in order to be owners of this project, right? So if you own the project, you basically have full access to everything within this project. So you have the ability to invite someone over into the project to assume this owner role. Basically, an attacker could invite another identity that is somewhat related to Google. So basically like a Gmail, Google, Google Mail or whatever is somewhat related to Google Cloud. Basically, you have the ability to actually invite another that identity into Google Cloud to be an owner, basically have entirely full access over this environment. And then there's always like your storage threats for like exfiltration. Interesting. Wait, so are you saying that, I don't want to scare people, but I'm just assuming that because similar to Microsoft Azure, Office 365 is kind of part of the Azure suite. Mm -hmm. And if I lose my access to my Gmail, with my Office corporate Gmail, not my personal Gmail, I potentially have given someone access to my Google Cloud as well depending on what the user is doing. Not necessarily, except if they've already been invited into like a Google Cloud project. Right, right. It's so if they were invited, then technically I have basically potentially given that access away. Yeah, it, it's funny because like if you have an email address, sometimes when you want to create a Google Cloud project, it automatically like already has one attached to like your email address, which is kind of weird. But basically, if you have that Gmail address and someone invites you over into a Google Cloud project, as whatever owner of you or whatever the case is, you have the permissions that they have invited you as. Ooh, see, that definitely is an interesting thread that I don't think many people think about people because usually in most companies, corporate IT is looking after Gmail. They're not concerned by Google Cloud or whatever. For them, it's like, oh, yeah, the admin for Google admin. I <laughs> do that. You do your, what you do anyway, security people. So that's an interesting and probably a unique one as well. And you also called out the service account being or like a, the robot user that automatically gets assigned. Yeah. So is it possible to still see them and to your point, have threats being detected on it automatically, or is that something that I mean, not easily detectable? Yeah. So the, the approach for this, actually, from a threat detection perspective, I was waiting for us to get into that. I was just talking about how the threats with them and in terms of approaching how to detect this. So in terms of like these Google Cloud service accounts, so if an attacker compromises the Google Cloud service account, they will typically be using it from outside of Google Cloud environment. And typically it would be from some anonymizer or something that would not make it possible to trace it back to them. So we can easily detect this by looking for anytime these service accounts, or in this case, like default service accounts, whether it's the compute engine service account or the app engine service account is being used from outside of Google Cloud, whether it's like malicious IP, which we might've been able to infer that through like threat into enrichment or if it's being used from an AWS IP or an Azure IP or another hosting IP address or anything that shows that it's not from within Google Cloud, which if it's from within Google Cloud, we'll probably be seeing something from like a Google Cloud shell or from a compute engine or from an IP address range that's within Google Cloud's IP address range. But anything that is outside of that would be very much worth taking a look at. Any services you call out that people should keep an eye on? Like, I mean, you obviously call it the low-hanging fruit to be IAM with service account. Any other service that comes to mind that people should be mindful of? I mean, the most of the threat detection you found are around those services? Yeah, this is this one's actually a really interesting one. We did some research on. Basically, this is with the BigQuery service. BigQuery service is a the Google Cloud data warehouse. And when you make a query, you have the ability to export 
this query either to like an external storage. I remember now it was like some research from like GitLab or something, but you have the ability to export the results of this query to an external storage, which could be like maybe your Google Cloud storage bucket or an S3 bucket or an Azure Blob storage. So an attacker already has access to Google Cloud and might have access to BigQuery, can basically export the results of whatever they might've searched for within BigQuery to say an S3 bucket or an Azure Blob storage. And that basically is like very easy exfiltration depending on whatever data you might have within that data warehouse. So this is one whereby like, if you're expecting your query results to be exported to internal Google Cloud storage buckets or not to be exported at all, and you're seeing them being exported to AWS S3 buckets or Azure Blob storage buckets, then that's definitely like how you can approach detecting that because if an attacker is willing to like take information out of your environment, they'll probably be putting it somewhere else that is controlled by them, which might be an external storage bucket. So that's another one that I don't think is like as common in terms of threats or detections within Google Cloud. Uh, interesting. I love the example of BigQuery because that also opens up the other Pandora's box, which is it's not just the Google Cloud services, but you're also looking at Google. Now we spoke about Google Workspace or Gmail. We also talk about BigQuery. It's all these extensions, for lack of a better word, which are just scary. And people should be kind of like, oh, what are these tentacles that are coming out that I should be also looking at? Not just, just thinking about from a Google Cloud perspective, but people who are trying to do threat detection, they can also look at, hey, where does this end up? Mm -hmm. And what are some of the other services that may be kind of related, but may not technically be called Google Cloud? I love that. Eric has a comment about the whole Google Cloud credential stored in an access token .db file on admin workstation is another attack vector. Yeah. I can use that in-person user. Yeah. That's actually, that's a really cool one because like from your personal machine, right? So if you have your credentials stored on the machine, there's been like some malware that has scripts that actually looks for your AWS config file, your Azure like config file. And I think now the Google Cloud credentials and basically parses that data extract it, put it in a zip file, and then sends it back to the attacker. So like, that's definitely one. This is also like where proper credential management comes in. So maybe not using that method of authentication. I know for AWS, you can use AWS Vault, but I've actually not looked into a better solution for Google Cloud managing like Google Cloud keys or static credentials. Oh, awesome. And thanks for that, Eric, and keep them coming, man. So we've kind of spoke about credentials. We can't spoke about identity. Well, we touched on the whole Google buckets as well, but is there like a whole compute related thing as well? Like from a compute image creation is also something that you got to think. So for context, because the idea for this talk came from your talk at Fort Cloud Sec as well, which I'll definitely recommend people to check out. And one of the examples that we kind of spoke about was around the whole compute image creation in Google Cloud. Are there any thoughts on that and what examples you can share from there as well? Yeah, so this is one that is also not as commonly identified. It's typically a precursor to some sort of like crypto mining attack or attack towards compute engine. So basically like an attacker would do a compute image creation API call in order to create like a compute image that best fits what they want to do for their crypto mining activity. And then that would be followed by let's say like a compute network and then multiple compute instance creation. So this is one that you can chain with multiple other events. So if you see a chain of events with image creation, firewall creation, network creation, and then compute instance creation, that could potentially be a much higher fidelity sort of like detection that you could use to identify crypto mining attack. But yeah, it would typically be like a very, very compute intensive image that you'd see in that. That would also come from knowing what images are typically used within your environment, right? And what is this new image that's being created? So if you identify like this deviates from, oh, these are not the typical images we use for our computer instances within our environment, and this is like 
a much higher fidelity detection. And also if you're able to like sort of chain that with multiple other indicators, like I said, when a network rule is created, when a firewall rule is created with some specific indicators, and then you have multiple computer instances, like that's another one that you could use for Google Cloud for detection. Awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that as well. The reason I wanted to call that out is because from a business use case perspective, most people out there are building applications in Google Cloud, similar to what other people are doing in cloud service providers. And a very obvious thing, if you're using combat computers as an image and having this awareness is definitely pretty awesome as well. So thanks for sharing that. I've got a question here, and this was kind of, kind of want to be my last question anyways, from a technical perspective. I'm looking to switch to detection engineering, and I'm kind of stuck between skill set. I need to make the switch. Any advice will be greatly appreciated. Yeah, man. So I'm fairly new to my detection engineering role. I've been at Datadog for about a year and five months now. So like, I'm still really new to this whole engineering thing. I've been learning a lot. By the way, I actually have a video on this on my channel, but <laughs> I think it really starts from like having an engineering mindset. The engineering mindset is different from what an analyst mindset. So from my perspective, working as a threat analyst for about two years before going into engineering, the engineering mindset is different in the sense that you're now dealing with problems and you're looking at them from a different perspective, right? So the problems you're dealing with, and this might not be too specific to detection engineering, but I'll start with like a high level. So problems is like starting by first knowing what a problem is, right? So problem might be like, we don't have coverage for threats against our Google Cloud storage environment. That's a problem. But are you actually able to identify that as a problem as simple as it is? And that's one thing I struggled with. I didn't know what a problem was. Started with like actually knowing how to identify problems. Then the next step is like, what is the outcome of the problem you're trying to solve? What is the end goal of this? So in that case, it would be, okay, we would want to have five quality detections for our Google Cloud computer environment. And then the next step is owning the problem and solving the problem. So owning the problem is, okay, how do you actually approach solving this problem? What stakeholders need to be part of this, right? Do we have the resources we need? And that goes more into the detection injury piece, which I'll go right in a second. But it basically is how do you follow through from start to finish of actually completing to get into a solution for this problem. And then I think the final piece is making a problem to be long lasting, a solution to be long lasting. So like when you actually solve the problem, make sure you solve it in a way that is sustainable so that you're not continuously having to go back and refix things all the time, but you're mostly maintaining your solution to your problem. Now in detection engineering wise, I think learning detection engineering should be approached from what you're detecting, right? So whether it's not just limited to cloud, it could be if you're in the Active Directory environment, if you're dealing with SaaS applications, approaching to detection engineering like starts from actually understanding what you're trying to detect. Like I said, for Google Cloud, it's sort of from understanding the, what Google Cloud is, how the resources are configured, how these different things exist within Google Cloud. And then from there, then starting to take a look at these individual pieces of this software or tool or cloud environment you're trying to do detection engineering for, and then just playing around with it and finding ways by which attackers perform different exploits or attacks against the environment and also how you can approach detecting it. And that kind of sounded repetitive and not making much sense, but I think like that's the best approach. It's like just really doing it and also just really applying an engineering mindset to everything you're doing. And over time, you get better at it, you develop those skills. And also when you're surrounded with other engineers, like you just learn a lot from them. So awesome. Thanks for that, Dave. But I think you're in a good place. What you're doing right now, connecting with Dave and connecting with others and everyone who's in the chat as well is a great way just to know what other people are doing as well. And if I can add a couple more ideas, I probably would say to the methodology that Dave called out and even Eric called out with the whole path to pawn or looking at threat modeling by service. If you have something like a GitHub repository to what they said for engineering mind, if you just come up with something interesting, hey, this is what I learned on the internet or an open source just to say, 
this is why I feel service account is bad. I think putting yourself out there would definitely start making people look at you as a threat detection engineer as well. That, I mean, that just like, that's what I did for the whole cloud security piece. And I feel that should definitely be applicable for threat detection as well. But I don't know, Dave, if you agree. Yeah, I think having your ideas either challenged or validated by other people who do what you do is also a really great way to learn. So whether for me, it was putting my ideas out. Like, let me say this. One of my biggest fears is something I'm saying on a podcast or like on a talk or in a video is wrong. And I've had that happen to me multiple times, especially in my videos. But like, it's a way to learn. But of course, you want to make sure you're doing your research. But when you're putting yourself out there like that, you're opening yourself up to other people who are going to have opinions, maybe even criticize, whether that's positive or negative, your ideas, your thoughts, and how you're thinking about things, how you're approaching things. But also a really great way to like gather feedback that you might not have gotten because you might not be in an environment to get that feedback. And when you get that feedback and keep applying it to get better, it could really accelerate your growth and your learning, especially if you're not in a place where you're in that role currently, just having access to the world, the internet that can do that for you could really, really help you grow. Awesome. No, thanks for that. Hopefully that was valuable for you again. So last question for you, man, I think, which was before we go into the whole non-technical fun questions. Where can people learn about this, man? Because I think obviously other people may be curious of as well. Where does one start with these kind of threat detection exercise? Are there any resources that you kind of called out that would be helpful for people to look at? Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, again, I would recommend taking a look at the Google Cloud Docs. Oh my God, you and your Google Docs, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, like, they're just that you good. Might, you might be an advertisement for Google Docs. <laughs> Honestly, they're really that good. You can learn a lot from them. And I also think they're like all these... I haven't taken them personally, but they're like some Coursera courses on the Google Cloud certifications as well. That could be another venue to learn about these different things, just basically understanding like how Google Cloud works. But I think another thing is like reading threat reports. If there's a threat report out there from whether it's companies like Palo Alto or Wiz, Orca, Assistic, or Datadog, like when we put out all this information, these are things from practitioners who are in the front lines, who are actually doing research, finding threats. So like read those threat research, like read the Google, Google Cloud releases like threat reports, I believe every year, every now and then. So read those threat reports, right? Those things contain relevant information about how practitioners in the field who are actually in the trenches, for lack of better words, are approaching security or approaching threat detection or approaching attacking compromising Google Cloud environments. That can really help you learn how these concepts are being applied in the real world. And then the third thing I'd say is create your own Google Cloud environment. You're not going to be able to learn if you're not actually like getting your hands dirty with these things. So basically like create your own Google Cloud environment, actually like try some of these attacks on your own, see how they work, see if you're able to like figure out all the things outside of that. There's also GCP GOAT. Basically it's just like any other GOAT project, just basically gives you 10 different attack paths. Google Cloud, that's a great way to get started with how to attack Google Cloud and learn about all of that. So those are my recommendations. I've also been working on some Google Cloud DFIR labs that I will be talking about more later on in the year. Well, basically these are forensics and incident response labs tailored around Google Cloud. Basically you have access to all these Google Cloud logs and you're tasked with analyzing them with JQ and finding what an attacker did within Google Cloud. So keep an eye out for those when I eventually release them. Wow, awesome. And I think Eric agrees with you. I really agree. Be wrong as often as possible and, and fail it as fast as possible. I love this episode, man. Both you and Eric are just dropping gems and everyone else is just dropping gems and this. Everyone should be preaching Google Cloud Security now. But with the good yeah. one, of you. <laughs> yeah, no, so I think there should be more talks, more conversations around Google Cloud Security. I actually enjoy working on Google Cloud. 
as much as most people might not. But I, I actually think there should be more things out there, and I'm doing my oh. best to, to put. More I, out I feel there. I feel this wave of Google Cloud people coming to like day day day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's start a new like a tribe, a new coalition of people who support Google Cloud. Oh, you heard this here first, people. With them starting a coalition. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, we can. Is basically the motto we're going with. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, we absolutely can. I, on a serious note, I agree, and I think kind of like what you're doing. We're obviously working on filling the gap as well, so it definitely is valuable. I think another resource I wanted to call out was I maintain this repository, just like a shameless plug for GitHub. Oh wow! Towards the end, I've definitely got some non-technical questions for you because we're talking about technical threats for a long time. What do you spend most time on when you're not working on threat detection, man? What's your workout regime? <laughs> it's funny how that was like your exact follow-up question <laughs> no well, what do you do normally outside of just doing introduction honestly these days i'm content so like i've been really trying to dig deeper into my creativity so really coming up with new content ideas new video ideas just different things to make my content a lot more engaging and also channel my combination between creativity and engineering and content creation so i've been really just putting more into that and sometimes I spend some time lifting heavy weights. Oh, of course, lifting heavy weights. Right there. <laughs> What's the something that you're proud of, but that is not on your social media? Mm, it's a great one. I, honestly, I think I'm just proud of my growth. I might have some of this on my social media, but personally, I'm proud of my growth in like various areas of life, whether that be like with relationships, family, financially, mentally, I've really had a lot of growth over the last couple of years and I'm really proud of that. Pretty awesome. No, thanks for sharing. And uh, Pacino as well. What's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share? Mm, favorite. Honestly, I think I might've said this the last time around, but it's still Nigerian food, man. It's, it just tops it for me. All of it, all the Nigerian food. You can never, I can't go wrong with Nigerian food. I don't think anyone can go wrong with Nigerian food. Great. So what's your favorite Nigerian dish that you can recommend to people who have never had Nigerian food before? So my favorite might not be your favorite, especially if you don't have high like pepper tolerance, but my personal favorite is Ofada rice on an Ofada stew. However, if you don't have really good pepper tolerance, I would have you start with jollof rice. That jollof is like rice, the yeah. beginner. This is like your entry level application towards getting deeper into Nigerian food. And, and then you go hardcore after that. And you just, I wouldn't even have to like encourage you. You will seek it by yourself. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'll look that up next time I'm around as well, man. Hopefully I get some Nigerian food doing just to break bread with you as well. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, man? Can, just so you want to continue the conversation, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at DayCyberWalks, which is already on the screen. And also on YouTube at DayCyberWalks or CyberWalks, whichever one. And yeah, that's about it. You can find all of my Discord things, either in my video descriptions and all of that. And you can follow me on LinkedIn here at Day Johnson. Well, I think we should start saying threads as well, because now there's a new social media. <laughs> True, true. You can follow me on threads as well as at DayCyberWalks. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I wonder at a point where I'm just going to drop a QR code, just scan it and just like move on with your life. Yeah, Basically. absolutely. Yeah. But I appreciate your time, man. And thank you so much for everyone else who joined us as well. Hopefully it was insightful. And we'll continue the Google Cloud Security conversation next week as well. But for now, thanks everyone. And I will see you in the next episode. Peace. Thanks, Jay. See you. Thanks for having me.